Welcome back to the Revelation On Demand podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you Revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and I'm joined today, as usual, by Mr. Chris Hess. How you doing, buddy? Hey, uh, all things considered, I myself am feeling blessed, safe, and considerably okay. Um, you know, my life is in a good place right now. I'm safe. I have money. I have a family. I have food, resources. Uh yeah, so I'd say personally, I'm doing good. I'm a little bit in more serious demeanor today, uh, as much as I've been sarcastic this morning, uh, just considering our global situation with everything that's been going on. So you're more knowledgeable on the subject than I am, because sometimes yeah. I get into a little bit of denial or ignorance, and I'll kind of push it aside like... I don't want to involve my heart emotionally in this, but I have to like, just like me on Reddit earlier, uh, I was scrolling through some stuff for some business I've been attending to. And, uh, there was live streams for what, which we're going to dive into real quick. It's not going to take up the entire episode, obviously is, uh, what's been going on in the Baltic region and Ukraine. And, uh, that, you know, started to break my heart a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely good to remember, especially here in our first world countries, the comforts we have that maybe some other Christians don't have. But uh, what Chris is talking about is the the war in Ukraine that's going on right now. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know what's going on, uh, Mr. Putin of uh, Russia, the president of Russia, he decided to invade the Ukraine. And instead of the Ukrainian president running and hiding and the entire country just rolling over and letting him do that, uh, the Ukrainian president decided to stay and fight in um, the whole country is fighting with him. Like, so this completely unprepared and out of position force of the Russians is getting their butts handed to them. They're running out of gas you know, running in into cities and in just their vehicles are running out of gas. Like they don't have the supplies they need to invade and they're just ill-prepared. And uh, the Ukrainians are just not having it. So um, we need to keep praying for those people that, uh, you know, they can repel the invaders and hopefully with as little bloodshed as needed. Uh, of course, when soldiers feel kind of abandoned like that it's pretty easy just to demoralize them to quit um well that's that's the thing so is they do call that morale for the christians over there and that our brothers and sisters are safe yes absolutely yeah. and it is biblical. yeah no and, and right now the the ragtag ukrainians have the morale yes they yeah. they have their morale and they have and then the another group of christians that we need to I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, I thought you know you really yeah. wanted to pour your heart out into this too. I think we were just discussing this actually before we started up, and yeah. like uh, that's just a that's not even an opinionated statement of what we're trying to present. That's the facts. Is you know justification wise, I think the Lord <sighs> is really backing these people up. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that's the why the Russians are so far out of position is because they, they especially Vladimir Putin isn't, uh, well, I guess he is Russian Orthodox, I believe that's what I've heard, but I don't think he's leading his country as if he's following what God wants, you know? So 
Uh, the oh, other group of Christians I want to pray day. for real quick is is the Chinese. <laughs> yeah, there's groups all over, but uh, the Chinese especially. Uh, China has always been really hard on the Christian faith. And just during times of stress like this, when China is, is you know, making uh, threats towards their neighbors, like they might too try an invasion much the same way. Russia did. Uh, it's, it's just these uncertain times that uh, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters overseas. So we've been praying for them. We ask that you pray for them as well. And then coming up, some of you may have already started depending on which calendar you are using, but there is the Christian uh, practice of Lent. Uh, this is more of a Catholic practice, but, uh, Studying it and learning about it, I'd say that it is quite all right for uh, modern Christians to practice Lent. Um, if you want to stick to the original Lenten calendar, it would have started on the 2nd. Uh, if you are wanting to do the 40 days leading up to Easter exactly, then it'll start on the 8th. And the whole idea of Lent is to, uh, to fast and pray for the 40 days. Um, why the reason why it would have started earlier for the, uh, the traditional calendars, because they take Sundays off from their fasting and prayer. It's a feast day. Oh, um, okay. So that's so what you're trying to remind that. me of. If you're more in my camp. Yeah. So if you're more in my camp, it's just about, uh, fasting from something for 40 days. Excuse me. A lot of people use this to uh, give up something in their life that's kind of become an idol. Say, for example, myself, uh, video games tends to be one of those things that I kind of cling on to and maybe uh, use too much like a crutch. So on top of maybe uh, increasing my, my regular daily fast... I'm going to uh, be giving up video games completely for the 40 days starting on the 8th and uh, looking forward to, you know, a few weeks into that. Not so much the start of it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know some people are like, oh, video games. Like, no, it's, it's one of those things that is, I think has the potential to be an idol in my life. So, I feel like it, uh, it, it'll be real good for that. Uh, just to kind of put that to bed and be like, no, I don't need to play video games every day. And uh, it'll be good to see what other things I come up with. Maybe I'll uh, just go ahead and get a bunch of show notes done and a bunch of work done that I need to get done for the church. So could be really good. And I'm sure I'll go crazy the first couple of days because video games are my hobby and I'd like to use them to relax, but basically the Lent is just giving something up and and focusing on prayer and uh, trying to be with the Lord for 40 days, kind of leading up to the Easter holiday and all that. So I'll probably have an update the next time that we have a podcast will be another, at least almost two weeks in Lent. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that's all going. You know, it's kind of funny. Every every year around this time of year, I quit social media. 
I'll get myself, ease myself back into it over the, over an extended period of time. And then I'll get back into it. And then it just ends up being a disaster. So that's, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I always mm-hmm. say it's around Easter time. I I've heard of Lent in past years. I've, I myself have had traumatic brain injuries in the past. So, uh, I forget specific details when it comes to association of like labels per se. Mm-hmm. I would say that arguably, I think the reason why Lent in this case would have kind of dissipated and come back into even modern Christian, uh, not just Catholic lifestyle would be because of the fact that, um, well, primarily speaking, we are a little bit more relaxed and we have a little bit more liberty as Protestants more often than the uh, more traditional churches. And I think that it's good to incorporate some of those concepts that are like practically ancient into structuring ourselves and whether it's giving up something or just holding off on something like in your case, mm-hmm. I think that's good because then you'll see a little bit of a wider eye. What is going on? Everything around you when you have these specific uh, crutches or when you have these specific things that consume so much time, like, you know, the saying goes time flies by when you're having fun. Speaking mm-hmm. of fun, I'm really excited about today's episode. I really yeah. like the book so far. It's it's intense. It's vivid. So what happened last episode? So last episode, we were in Amos chapter two, and uh, we were talking about how Amos was starting to bring judgment on Israel for their sins. I mean, he named in several places how Israel was acting poorly and how they shouldn't be acting like this because they're not like the countries around them. And uh, we talked a little bit about the treatment of the dead and ossuaries and, and uh, death practices yes. such as burial and whatnot. And then uh, also he mentioned the prophecy of Israel's uh, final judgment, kind of moving into that eschatology and, and end day study that we tend to uh, try and pick up whenever we come across. So, that was Amos chapter 2. Today we'll be going over Amos chapter 3. And uh, some good things to know is that he's continuing his criticism of, of Jerusalem here. It's a little uh, a backhanded in this section where he's he's asking rhetorical questions to his audience, which would be the original people in Jerusalem. And then uh, for the next few chapters, he will begin with hear this word, which is where he's detailing their sin and talking about judgment to come. And uh, we'll talk a little more about that, how it's often referred to by the oracles in that way. So you have anything else to add or shall we dive into scripture? I think think time-wise, we could go on all day about all the different things, but we're here for one thing, (laughs) and that is being awesome. We're being awesome so yep. far, though. I agree with you. Yes, we should probably dive into scripture. <laughs> All right. So for those of you who didn't catch that, uh, this is Amos chapter three. Obviously, we're starting at verse one. I always let you know where we're starting at if you're reading along with us. And uh, we do NIV. I believe we do NIV. Or do we do NLT? I'm always like down with either one. I think so. I, I, I don't remember exactly what it is. I don't remember what what denomination. What denomination? What I just try to stay do. away from 
Um, the like King. Jo- oh. Yeah, I, I try to stay away from the ones that are hard to understand. I mean, like I can ring King James Sorry. all day. If if you're a fan of the King James, uh, I got I got a I got a buddy back back in Hawaii who who he reads in King James only. <laughs> He's great at it too. Anyway, why don't we dive into this? I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, <laughs> we we have conversations as we go on this podcast. To just remind ourselves because we only get to catch up every once in a while sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's read the Bible. Everyone. Yeah. Hear this word, people of Israel. The word of the Lord has spoken against you, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Does a bird swoop down to a trap on the ground when no bait is there? Does a trap spring up from the ground if it has nothing caught? Oh, if it has not caught anything, excuse me. When a trumpet sounds in a city, do not the people tremble. When disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? So right there in these first chunk of uh, rhetorical questions, we see that he's he's trying to to make the answer to all these no. So uh, he's leading up to something in the next section where he's going to uh, <clears throat> kind of use these these arguments as a uh, you know all the answers were previously no. So continue saying no um, to these questions. Uh, Anyways, he says, you only have I chosen. This is uh, reminding the Israelites that they are the, in fact, chosen people that God has decided to bless, to bring the blessing to the rest of the world. So with that, with you know a higher title comes a higher responsibility, as we know. And uh, he, he's kind of reminding them, I expect much better from you because you're my people. You're supposed to be holy. You're supposed to be set apart. And we see that in Deuteronomy and Leviticus where they were given all these rules, which it's always interesting to study these rules because often they are very similar practices to what the pagans are doing, but there's usually some twist or something that really makes them stand out from uh, the common pagan man. So it's always interesting to see that uh, the, Israelites had a higher standard of living than just anyone who doesn't follow God in that way. Yeah, definitely. Then uh, we can see that still today is that as Christians, we're held to a higher standard of morals by the Bible than uh, people who aren't Christians. And we should hold brothers and sisters to a higher standard than we do people who don't confess Christ. So, uh, very much in that same way, it's something that we should do even today. Okay, I like uh, what you're saying there. Being, do you, know, mind if I... you don't need to be judgmental about things. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead. Oh no, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is like that's that's true. We could lay back and say we don't need to be as just judgmental, but like he's got a good point. Like we need to be holding everyone to that standard. And the fact that you do have brothers and sisters in Christ, they should be held to a greater standard. You should hold yourself to a caliber that is equivalent to what you want to lead as an example. 
That is what God has intended for you. You're a follower of Christ, but you're a leader in his image. Right? Quite right. Quite right. Yeah. And and yeah, and, and that's what uh, Amos is saying to Israel right now. It's like, hey, you guys forgot that you are God's people. So uh, start acting like it. Um, anyways. This is a series of rhetorical questions again that uh, should be known. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? Um, do two walk together unless they agreed to do so? You know, two people can just start walking together in the same direction. So, uh, no, two don't have to agree. Uh, does a lion? Uh, bah, does a lion roar in the thicket when it has no prey? Uh, no. Um, I guess you know we we hear about lions roaring all the time, but it's really something they only do. At when they have caught something or when they're excited or when they're, you know, attacking something. So does it growl in its den when it has caught nothing? Um, now, if you're talking about growl, no, maybe not. But they do do this thing called chuffing. Uh, kind of interesting. I was actually watching this on, uh, on a, some zoo. Oh, it was the Irwins. Crikey, it was the Irwins. Anyways, um, they chuff. To, when, to kind of communicate and talk to each other, which is kind of interesting. So uh, they might do that, but growl, probably not. Does a bird swoop down on a trap on the ground when there's no bait? Of course not. Um, why would a bird swoop down on a, which normally be a snare, I believe, is the kind of trap he's talking about, not like a bear trap. Uh, using a bear trap to catch a bird would be kind of um, detrimental. Um, there wouldn't be much bird left. Uh, and then a trap spring up when nothing has has not caught anything. Of course not. Something has to set it off. Uh, trumpet sound and not the people tremble. So trumpets back in the day around uh, cities would be signifying mostly that there was a you know a siege happening or an enemy approaching the city. It was it was never a good thing to hear a trumpet blast. Uh, and then, of course, we come to the interesting one. Um, when disaster comes to a city, has not the Lord caused it? And then this is one of those points where our Calvinist friends like to say, and this is a verse that they might use, uh, though nobody seems to really dig into Amos much, but this might be a verse that they used to say, see, look, God plans everything. God causes everything. And I like to look at this more as, um, (laughs) thanks, Chris. Um, I like to look at this more as, uh, God uses everything. So I see natural disasters as, you know, part natural part as God using it to, uh, bring punishment to certain people. Uh, yes, the innocent gets swept up in these things, but, um, I do believe that our sins affect those around us. So uh, I do believe there is a place where your sin can become so great that you will cause the death of innocent around you just for your sin. I mean, look at what the look at what look at what Putin's doing. For example, his sin is causing death to others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I went there. But yeah. that's what I'm saying is that you can't you can't just say that the Lord is punishing the innocent for uh, for nothing. They're being mm. they're being swept up in the punishment of the unrighteous. Might, so, might I interject and say something that's, though? That's the way I see it. 
is Go ahead. we commonly Go throw ahead. around the term the innocent. And I'm going to take an alto respective perspective on that because if you started to see things like you're saying from okay. like ie um <clears throat> the kremlin's perspective uh no one is truly innocent mm-hmm. we live in a fallen world that's the idea of even a calvinist yeah. would argue so when you say the innocent gets swapped up and it, it just mm-hmm. happens but it's also a sign of strength weakness blah 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 i can tell you though is like mm-hmm. odds are if you are involved in something that is tragic there is something in your life that is a result of something else, right? Or even a good thing. Everything has a yep. point A, point B, resolve or destruction. So when you get into a lot of that detail, do horrific things happen in this world? Yes. Do amazing things happen in this world? Yes. But that's all part of the integration of sin as well as blessings in this world. I'm not going to say anything that's going on in politics right now Mm -hmm. is a blessing. I'm saying that it's mostly destructive. I completely agree Mm -hmm. with you. But when we talk about like innocence being swept up or, you know, like uh, friendlies, you know, so to speak, uh, it's, it's kind of hard to differentiate that. Because when we talk about it, it's the true nature of this fallen world for it to be so. So that's where I would argue with a Calvinist and actually, and no disrespect, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. But that I don't think that's an intended result of the Lord. That's a result of the sin of man and the sin integrated into this world thanks to none other than you know lucifer so i think that there's a lot of lines to be drawn Mm -hmm. with that but at the same time we can't draw a moral reasonable Mm -hmm. conclusion when it comes to life and death in those situations primarily speaking because of the fact Mm -hmm. that it's uncontrollable it's unvowed it's something that we can't substantiate even as humans why Mm -hmm. is there a reason that these people get swept up in it so i could say and what I'm trying to say is there is no true sense of innocence in this planet. It really isn't because of the way that we are. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is there a lot of things that happen? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But like everything's got an end result. There's always reconciliation and punishment and everything that happens to, mm-hmm. you know, I believe in that. So I'm saying like disaster wise, is the Lord intending yeah. to hurt people? Absolutely not. Are people going to get hurt as a result of people's reactions mm-hmm. to the Lord? That can happen. It's just, it, there's so mm-hmm. many different conclusions you could draw mm-hmm. from this. And it's interesting because they're actually um, back in Colorado. I'm going to draw uh, this quick conclusion real quick. Is, <laughs> is there was a Russian Orthodox church near us in Colorado. And I had complete respect for them, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that they could, they could even view what's going on right now as this is what this man was taken to because of the way he demonstrated his faith. Is that not what we all try to do, right? He's on a greater power scale, but anyway. Right. Why don't we continue with scripture? No. Yeah, no, we could we could dive into innocence and, and sovereignty and, and all that good stuff if we wanted to, but we could be here for hours as well. So Yeah, I'm trying uh, to back you up. We, we have to pick our battles. <laughs> <laughs> we all have to pick our battles, and that's why I'm always trying to, you know, I, I, I got to take the perspective of what would be politically correct, anyone that would try to challenge, especially my brother Justin here, and I, I got to take everything word for word. <laughs> Uh, and I also got to th- take things out of context because yeah. you know how people do that. All right. Verse seven. Yeah. Starting at verse seven. Shall we continue? Yes, sir. 
Surely the Sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his pain to the servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but prophecy? Proclaim to the fortress of Ashdod and to the fortress of Egypt. Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria. See the great unrest within her and the oppression among her people. They do not know how to do right, declares the Lord, who store up in the fortresses what they have plundered and looted. Ooh, they don't know how to do right. Huh. Okay. I'm not going to go there on that one. I think I tried to cover that in the last one. All I had to do was just read read the scripture, (laughs) and then, you know, God was like, hey, answer's right here. Quit asking too many questions. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And and that's the nice thing about Amos. It seems to uh, answer a lot of its own questions. So uh, right there, surely the sovereign Lord has nothing without revealing his plans. Uh, this this can be hard for some people talking about prophecy. Of course, uh, not hard for us. We like to talk about prophecy here. And uh, you could say, well, do we have plans for everything that God's doing? Uh, you know, we kind of get let in on the plans when we need, when it is beneficial, or when we need to bring those plans to someone else. So, um, no, we don't always are. We're not always given the plan. I do English good. Wow. Um, anyways, plan we're not good always English, given wow. the exact plan. Uh, yeah. All right. Anyways, uh, we, we're given. We're kind of given, and, and if we look at scripture, we're given the general plan of what God plans to do. Uh, as we did our revelation study, we know what the ending is. We know what the goal is. We know what is going to happen at the very end. Uh, you know, so we know where, where God's leading things. Uh, but we aren't always given the minute details of what's going to happen in our lives. Uh, sometimes we get a little bit of premonition. Sometimes God will kind of nudge us. In, in a direction, but back in the older times when before the temple was was uh, built, when they were still using the tabernacle, God talked to his people through prophets very often. So he is he's he's talking about a practice that was more common then than is now. And uh then we oh, have another rhetorical question. That's a denomination question. I'm sorry. Here. I'm gonna talk over you for a second. That's a denomination <laughs> question because there's plenty of denominations okay. that are gonna argue with you on that point. But go ahead. Oh yeah. I know, I know. I but we were not afraid of poking the bear uh on this podcast, so um <laughs> not saying that you can't have prophecy today, okay? I don't 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 get me twisted here. I think there can be prophecy today. I just don't think it's as frequent as it used to be, or at least as it seems in scripture. It could, it could be less, it could be just as, you know, often as it was. It's just, it looks like in scripture, there's prophecy like every other page. So, um, but that could just be the way it was written. Um, anyways, continuing on, we go and that line has roared, um, often the, 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 uh, Lord is descript is, uh, kind of personified by a lion so this is you know one if you hear a lion roar in the in the wilderness or when you're out about yeah that would scare you but it's also saying you know when god roars do you not fear so it's kind of a a double a double entendre there having two meanings and then the sovereign lord has spoken but who can but prophesy so that's pretty much saying that when god gives prophecy to someone uh, it's kind of one of those things that the prophet really can't uh, 
really can't not share it. Yeah. Excuse me. Um, I agree. If you, you have know, a God-given so, message, how many times do we yeah. see in the Bible, especially? And I know that, like, uh, now because I grew up as a Christian, how many times have you heard uh, in church, even yourself, just over the past handful of years, where you're, they're like, and God spoke through them and said, <laughs> right? There's so many times that that gets conveyed. And it's yeah. true because it's like God is not only speaking through this individual, but as an individual on their own decision, if you've been given a message by God himself and you know it to be true, how can you not try mm. to do mm. all you can to better your life and the lives of those around you from it? And I think that's a that's a selflessness from prophets. Yeah. Yeah, and that's definitely one of those things that we see over and over in the Bible. Whenever a prophet is given some word, he immediately is bringing it to those around him, to the people who need to hear it, the people he's been told to tell it. Uh, we do see in one situation where Jonah is, is trying not to, uh, but we see what happens when, when we don't do what the Lord says when it comes to prophecy. So yep. um, if you don't know about the story of Jonah and the whale, go read it. It's a good, it's a good, good story. And there's a lot there. Oh, we should. Anyways, no, no, no. Ashdod in the fortress of Egypt. Ashdod was a major. What? No, no, you didn't have to Go stop. Ahead. You can, you can continue with the flow, bro. <laughs> I, I, I have ADHD, so oh. and I was firing today. I was going to say you wanted to say something. I did. I was <laughs> like, if you haven't seen the Veggie Tales back in the day, there was a Veggie Tales Jonah and the Whale movie. Watch it, and then get the soundtrack, which had a bunch of Christian mm. artists do covers of the songs. And this one by Newsboys, and you've still heard of them because they're one of the most popular Christian bands in the world. They're from Australia, and they do one, and it's called Belly of the whale look mm -hmm. it up mm -hmm. i'll i'll look it up i listen to the news boys i haven't heard that one yet so it's amazing. Um, i'll be good and uh I, i've noticed some some lag i'm gonna try and clean this up in post uh the, to the best of my ability but if it sounds like we're talking over each other or waiting awfully long to hear back from each other it's because there seems to be some lag on our our recording software today um, I, I will do my best to clean that up, but no promises. Uh, <laughs> hey, anyways, uh, continuing on, finish up what? the last two points and then we'll, we'll start up a new recording. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. We'll just, we'll muster through it. It's, I don't think it's too, uh, breaking. And as I said, I can, I can kind of adjust the audio. So there's not a uh, huge gaps when it's going the other way. Um, Anyways, Ashdod was a major city of the Philistines. Uh, so we're looking at the area in Egypt, and uh, Ashdod would have been the Philistine-owned place. And I don't quote me on this, but I do believe the Philistines were the precursors to the Palestinians. <clears throat> and then Egypt and Ashdod were, are being called to witness the corruption of Israel. Uh, you know, proclaim to the fortress, proclaim... Uh, it's talking about witness what is happening to Israel as, you know, these are God's people. This is what happens when God's people don't follow my, my, you know, what I tell them to do. Uh, just imagine what would happen if you're not God's people. Like, this is how I punish my children. Like, you know, uh, one of those things he's using Israel as, as this uh, example, you know, this is what I do. My children imagine what I'll do to you. If you don't become my children, 
And then we hear about Samaria. Uh, Samaria is an area in Israel. Uh, often this is the capital of Israel, especially at this time when Amos was writing, it was the capital. And we see that uh, there's a lot of unrest and oppression going on. And like I said before, corruption, that's just, it's causing, uh, causing havoc and causing the whole reason that Amos is coming down with this prophecy and, and telling Israel to repent or, you know, face the, the the Lord's wrath, which I guess he's not really saying repent. He's saying, hey, uh, here comes the judgment. Right. And it, it, I don't uh, think it's a matter of like whether or not they're God's children or not, too. I'm just going to nitpick you on that. Like, last thing I'll just be a little bit <sighs> deciphering on is just like, it's a matter of like incorporating yourself into the kingdom of God. You're always going to be part and your origins are of God. That's plain and simple, everyone. <laughs> Let us continue at verse 11. Yes, sir. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. An enemy will overrun your land, pull down your strongholds, and plunder your fortresses. This is what the Lord says. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Yes, I can hear you. I can hear you just fine. Oh, okay. You went like super quiet. I'm so sorry. I was just having a moment because I was like, I didn't hear any feedback on his side. He's really good at doing that. Okay, let me start over. That's because I hit the mute mic button. (laughs) Oh, I need to start doing that more often, man. (laughs) You should leave this in. Okay. Wow. Okay. Starting at verse 11. podcasting. We're so good at this. We're how many episodes? Twenty-five. Okay. All right. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says: An enemy will overrun your land, pull down your strongholds, and plunder your fortresses. This is what the Lord says: As a shepherd rescues from the lion's mouth only two leg bones or a piece of an ear, so will the Israelites living in Samaria be rescued, with only the head of a bed and a piece of fabric from a couch. Hear this and testify against the descendants of Jacob, declares the Lord, the Lord God Almighty. On the day I punish Israel for her sins, I will destroy the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will tear down the winter house along with the summer house. The houses adorned with ivory will be destroyed and the mansions will be demolished, declares the Lord. Dun, dun, dun. Anyways, so in uh, 722 BC, uh, Assyria would invade Israel and surround Jerusalem, giving rise to the fulfillment of this prophecy right here. Uh, So it's talking up there about uh, how Israel is going to be saved as a shepherd saves the leg bone or a piece of an ear. Uh, It was actually uh, predation is common when it comes to... uh, livestock so uh what shepherds would do especially the shepherds that don't own the sheep they're just out there working for someone else they would uh bring back some evidence of the predation just so that the uh the owner of the sheep wouldn't accuse them of stealing so that's uh since Uh since most people aren't in 
doing that sort of job today. That that's something I felt needed to be explained what was going on there. So very much, uh, this is not like a very hopeful <laughs> uh, prophecy that how Israel is going to be saved. Like he's talking, it's going to be scraps of what's left of Israel. The remnant will be left and saved out of Israel. The rest are going to be uh, eaten by the the wolves, so to say. Then we see the altars of Bethel. Or he's talking about destroying the altars of Bethel. This was an ancient sanctuary that turned into a religious hub. And as often we see with Israel, you know, they go strong for a while being God's followers and, and they, they really try and stay on the way. And then they start perverting their beliefs with other beliefs, which again is a very common practice back then for, you know, uh, pagans to kind of assume uh, practices and beliefs that other cultures and religions around them are doing. Uh, so very much Israel was falling into that, doing things where, you know, it's something of the world, not of what God wants that comes into the temple. So these, these, these altars were very much not being used in their proper manner. So um, yes. God was going to destroy them. Desecration and false idol, uh, false idolship or false idolhood is a reoccurring theme that we see a lot. And we talk about a lot on uh, Revelation on Demand. That's the first time I've used the term desecration because it literally is like, yeah. uh, more normally speaking, you would hear that term on like a basis. If you heard that uh, like in modern lingo, it would mean like a condemning or misuse of the dead, but it also can be applied to mm. uh, a, a religious plateau or anything among those lines as well. So when we're talking about altars, especially, um, and uh, uh, what you want to call them, like worshiping centers and specific physical, just like an idol or, <laughs> you know, I don't think I have to explain an altar to y'all, but it's basically something that is in yeah. homage to a deity usually, or you can have an altar to your obsession mm -hmm. of your ex-boyfriend from college and still be creepy about it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so these altars, especially the ones that Israel was, was supposed to have would the, the horns or the corners of the altar were to be kind of the representation of God's covering. Because uh, if you study in Deuteronomy or Leviticus, you hear about a covering ceremony or a cleansing ceremony where they put blood on the corners of the altars to represent kind of that, alluding to the blood that Jesus would, you know, sacrifice for us, that covering. So when he says he's going to cut off these horns, he's very much talking about removing that protection that those horns are supposed to represent. Um and then, of course, doing so would also create, would make the altar not an altar anymore. It would just be a, a piece of stone or wood or whatever it was made of. It wouldn't be this holy uh, or, yeah, this holy artifact anymore. This, this, it would become desecrated, as, as uh, Chris said. Artifact so, is such a good uh, word. See, oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then we see here 
them talking about destroying the winter house and the summer home. Uh, back then, just like today, uh, actually, this is very much the same. Having two houses could be seen as a, a representation of extravagant wealth. Now, I think it's a little more common these days for people to have two houses, but um, definitely upper middle class at a minimum. Uh, but back in Israel's time, when, when Amos was writing, it was very much only the rich had two homes, a summer home and a winter home. And there's there's two areas in Israel where there, there's warmer during the winter, and there's one area where it's warmer during the the or cooler during the summer. And, of course, that's the whole reason for two homes. You have a summer home that you go to that's not as hot, and then you have a, a winter home that you go to that's not as cold. Um, right. Unlike Colorado. So, yeah. So you have yeah. a winter home, a summer you, home, I think a spring you can home. Have a, well, yeah. All in one day. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think there, there's Coloradoans who have like a cabin in the mountains. That, that'd be, I don't think that's necessarily as, as extravagant as having two homes, but uh, definitely along those same lines. Uh, and then it talks about the houses adorned with ivory. Ivory back then was a very, uh, you know, a wealthy sort of thing, of course, still is today. Real ivory is, at least. Uh, we do have a lot of faux ivory now that, that mimics what ivory looks like and is much, you know, much 98% more. 98% of it is poached. Don't buy uh, ivory. Yeah, no. It, ivory is not. There, there's a bad association with ivory, but uh, I think, you know, kind of Gold would be a more apt example today, or diamonds, this kind of glitzy, glamorous stuff that uh, rich people tend to adorn themselves with. So very much ivory was one of those things back at this time. And uh, uh, one such king, if we've talked about Ahab before, one of the most evil kings of Israel, he created a house that was basically made like exclusively of ivory now i mean the timbers the structure timbers were still you know what they needed to be but he had a uh this house just adorned with ivory it was known as the ivory house so um uh very much pointing towards these people who have who have just you know abused and used god's people in ways that they're not supposed to and have you know profited from it and and have these extravagant shows of wealth, they're going to be destroyed. Those houses are going to be destroyed. Their wealth is going to be destroyed. They are going to be destroyed. Um, so we, we see very much there. This is, this is the judgment that uh, Amos is talking about coming down on Israel for their sins. Uh, we talked a little bit last time about what their sins were specifically. And this time it was mostly just talking about, how that destruction or what that destruction will look like. Yeah. And I think that's very relevant to our real world situation today for us to be addressing this. Like you said, as a first world country, everything we're going on, if you don't mind, I'm going to slide into the takeaway for today. Go ahead. All righty. So I think our biggest takeaway from today, we've talked a lot of complicated, uh, whimsical sort of, lines here with our verses in the Bible. The biggest thing that I want you all to look at is the fact is that there are blessings that you have 
in your life, and everyone does this, that some you don't even know of. I want you to look at those blessings and be like, thank God I have that. Look at something simple. Look at something amazing and be like, thank God I've had this the entire time. It happens to all of us. You know, (laughs) spontaneously, you might be like, oh my God, I have a car. People have dreamed of having a car their entire life and never achieved it. You know, sort of things like that. So I want you to look at your blessings. I want you to look at other perspectives and think for yourself, okay, so this is how they differ from me. And this is how I could potentially gain or lose based off of the fact that I am blessed and they are might have different blessings than me. I don't, I don't want envy. I don't want any of this. I'm, I think the biggest thing I, I try to make that the takeaway the way I think, honestly, when we look at, uh, condemnation and uh, destruction, as well as persecution, we need to be looking at a big factor in that. And that is, well, where do these people associate themselves with? Where's the disadvantage and recognize those blessings recognize the faults and admit to yourself, okay, there's good and there's bad. I need to account for both. We need to stop being ignorant. We need to stop looking at the other side. We need to stop looking at stuff that we don't agree with and ignoring it or considering it to be something that we need to destroy. There's plenty of people out there that do that. We all do this. Okay. So as the Lord, he is not going to target you and destroy you. Okay, specifically, that's not what we're trying to say here. We're trying to say that punishment is out there and that there is a valid reason for that. And the Lord is always going to back you up. Just hit them up. Thank you, Chris. That's wonderful. Thank you for listening to the Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch your podcast from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share this with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture. We receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless, and see you next time. God bless you all.